Lord God, we pray that as we begin this morning, Lord, we pray that your word would be heard. Lord, we pray most of all, not just that we hear, but that we can hear and believe. God, grant us faith. Lord God, we don't want to just be people who hear the word, but those who apply it to our lives. So Lord God, open our eyes to see Christ Jesus. Open our eyes to see the magnificence of your holy name. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is a joy to have you all here. Again, we have some new guests here. Oh, what is your name? Monique. What is that? Monique. Monique. Okay, and this is an old friend, so we know. Uh, so welcome. It is a joy to have you all here this morning. Uh, I'll just give you forewarning at the beginning of the sermon today. It's going to be a little bit longer than normal, so buckle your seatbelts. We're going to start a new series today that I pray gives us a little bit of an overview of the Bible as a whole. We're going to be looking at some major themes in the Old Testament. So today our text is not in our worship guides. It was too long to put in there. Uh, So we were going to be reading Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. First verse of the Bible is where we'll start. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Today we're going to be starting a new series that will hopefully give us an overview of Old Testament Bible themes. And my hope today is that over the next several weeks, we we come to better understand the Bible as a whole, God and his nature, his attributes, his purposes, Jesus and why in the world he came and how you and I in the 21st century fit in it all. Now, many people believe that the Christian Bible, and especially within the Turkish community, believe that the Bible is only the New Testament. So they believe that the Bible or Christianity started with Jesus' birth. However, this is a great mistake and will lead many people and has led many people into thinking that we have started a new religion altogether when Jesus was born. Let me, however, make it clear that no Christian in all history has ever embraced this. All Christians throughout history embrace the fact that the gospel and the church are the fulfillment of God's plan from the beginning, not a new plan or a new religion altogether. We as Christians have one Bible, finished almost 2,000 years ago, made up of 66 different books in two major sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the Turkish Bible, they break it up into the Torah and the Psalms and then the Injil, which would be the, the Gospels. All together, they were completed. All these 66 books of the Bible were completed over a 1,500-year span of time. And all of them, all together, tell one massive, unified, redemptive story. The Old Testament is quoted more than 280 times in the New Testament. And more than 350 Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in the New Testament. It's a shame to try to divide or split up these two books. It's one book, Old and New Testaments. Therefore, in order for us to better understand who God is and what he's doing 
we are going to look back at what he did from the very beginning and pray that we can start to have a God-shaped view, not only of history, but of the reality of our life today. Over the next 12 weeks, we're going to look at creation, that will be today, sin, judgment, covenant, Israel, the exodus, the law, the tabernacle, the kingdom, idolatry, holy war, and then finally we'll close with the Messiah sometime around Christmas. Today as we get started, we're going to start from the very beginning And I could not think of a better way for us to begin than to read Genesis chapter 1, all of it, into chapter 2 up to the third verse with a South African accent. So I'm going to have Tice come up for us, and he's going to be reading our section of scripture. If you have your phone or your tablet or your Bible, you can follow along with us. Genesis chapter 1, all the way into chapter 2, verse 3. I don't need that you don't need that, unfortunately. <clears throat> Bear with me. Eh? Uh, I've only got one eye, so if I make a mistake, I apologize. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was on the surface of the deep, and God's spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light and, that, and saw that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning the first day. God said, let there be an expanse in the middle of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and divided the waters which were under the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. God called the expanse sky. There was evening and there was morning a second day. God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together to one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. God said, let the earth yield grass, herbs yielding seeds and fruit bearing tree, fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind with their seeds in it on the earth and it was so the earth yielded grass herbs yielding seed after their kind and trees bearing fruit with their seeds in it after their kind and God saw that it was good there was evening and there was morning a third day God said let there be lights in the expanse of sky to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs to mark seasons, days, and years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He also made the stars. Hmm. God set them in the expanse of sky to to give light to the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a fourth day. God said, Let the waters abound with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the sky. 
God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged birth after its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let bold birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning a fifth day. God said, Let the earth produce living creatures after their kind, livestock, creeping things, and animals of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the animals of the earth after their kind, and the livestock after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. God saw that it was good. God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In God's image he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb, yielding seed, which is in, on the surface of all the earth and every tree, which, be, which bears fruit, yielding seed. It will be your food to every animal on the, of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, a sixth day. Now we'll read the first three verses of chapter 2. The heavens, the earth, and all their vast array were finished. On the seventh day, God finished his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he has done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because he rested in it from all his work of creation which he had done. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. That was great. <laughs> now, as we look at the topic of creation, we're going to be looking at three at this topic in three primary ways. The creation process, the creator himself, and then creation's purpose. Now, I'm going to do my best to keep you awake. But if you need to stand up and get a water or move around, you can do it. We're going to be here another four hours. <laughs> I'm just joking. There is an old painting that I saw of two battleships warring against each other. Both of them were lined with cannons shooting at the opponent. On one side, it said, Christians. And on the other side, on the other ship, it said secular. And all the Christians had all of their cannons pointing up and were shooting at the secular ship's flags. And the flag said sexual immorality, addiction, abuse. And all of the secular ship's cannons were focused down at the very base of the Christian ship. And it said creation. 
The point of this painting was to reveal the incredible importance in believing that God exists and that he created all things and actually rules over all things. Why? Why does that matter? Because if God did not create this world, then there is ultimately no one to rule over all things, meaning that there is no actual, eternal, purposeful point of life making no framework for objective morals of rights and wrongs, no foundation for law, and therefore no one can say anything about my flags of sin because I'm free to do whatever I want. I've sunk your creator. We believe, however, that God created all things and rules over all things and that he himself is the point and purpose of all things. Nietzsche, the German philosopher, declared this in his day, God is dead. Because of the rise of secularism and the deadness of his heart, he denied that most people, he denied with most people in our age that there is no such thing as a knowable God or creator. Christians, however, not only believe that God is still alive, but that also that all life flows from him and is sustained by him. Creationism, the view that God created all things, has actually been the leading view for centuries. And in fact, most science was pursued with the understanding that there was a creator who created the world in such a way that it can be studied and that we can know and understand its purposes because the God who made it all has order and purpose. Most of the famous scientists of old were those in pursuit of knowing the creator and studying the work of his hand. There have been many doing There have been many differing ideas against the view of creationism, but they have mostly been disproven over time. However, the primary attack in our day is most likely what? Darwin's evolutionary theory, which is that all species are related and gradually, naturally, untouched by any outside force or creator, change or evolve over time. He believed that all things came from a simple organism and over time evolved into a complex organism. This is where the theory that humans gradually, over time, turned from monkey to man. This theory, however, has been disproven time and time again and yet remains the primary theory taught in secular schools and universities almost worldwide. Why? Well, we need to remember that this and other theories are so uphold not because of evidence alone. But as one scientist confessed, he said, we must Keep God out of the picture or we're all guilty of sin. 
Just quickly, let me mention that this theory started as Darwin observed the way God worked in a bird's beak in changing it in order to adapt to its environment and receive the nourishment it needed. He viewed that the beak was in one shape, and over time, the beak formed and changed shapes. And rather than praising God for his sustaining, faithful, creative work in creation, he made a theory that erased God from creation altogether. Church, all creationists know that of course there is evolution within species. Pigs can turn into boars. And beaks can change shapes. All depending on the environment in which God wants it to thrive and be sustained. But there is no reliable evidence in all of history or in the fossil record that elephants turn into whales or that snails turn into eagles or that monkeys turn into men. Here is the popular view. Something always existed. There was no beginning. There was no time. Something always existed and just slowly over time, maybe even billions of years, slowly evolved into what we have today. Some have even said, and I heard this from a brilliant scientist, that most likely all of us came billions of years ago from some organized slime in the earth. This is like saying that if we took lots of random paint and threw it up into the sky for one year and two years, we may not see anything. But if you throw that paint up for billions of years, one day it will fall down and make a Picasso painting. This reason, this theory, though, falls apart when we look at it closely because it does not match up with life or science or experience. The fact that it requires billions of years also makes it an untestable theory. The more science progresses, And the closer we look at the cells and the more we realize there is actually a unique, ongoing design and order behind all things. The fact that it requires billions of years is ridiculous. But to say that organization came from an organizer is much more understandable. The more science progresses the more we realize, and even non-believing scientists, the more they have come to say there must be intelligence. Now, how could a view like Darwin's evolutionary theory be formed and embraced by so many? Let me remind you again. First, it is because of unbelief. Second, it seems to make more sense what people have said of an old-looking world, and so many people fell into this understanding. Now, as we look at the account of creation that was so beautifully read for us today, we need to realize that there are few views on what happened and how long it took in Genesis 1. The three most popular views 
and we're not going to debate and fight through them all today, are young earth, mature earth, and old earth. And I'm just going to say a couple sentences about each. First, young earth says that God created all things in six literal days and rested on the seventh. They say it looks old because of the effects of the flood, and therefore the earth is actually only around 6,000 years old. Mature earth says that God created it in six literal days as well, but that he created the earth mature, having the appearance of being very old, but in reality being much younger. And then finally, old earth believes that God created the world over billions of years and that each day that's documented is actually a time frame rather than a 24-hour day period, but that mankind was most likely created much recently. Now, all of these views, and if anybody wants to talk in more detail about those views, we can talk later, but all of these views, though, hold three primary crucial things. And no matter what view of science you have, to be a Christian, we must, we must claim these three primary crucial things. One, God created everything out of nothing. Two, God created a historical Adam and Eve. And three, God is still purposefully involved in all of creation. Church, we need to remember that science can give us theories, though they change again and again over time. They can give us theories about how things work, but no science has the ability, and they will confess it themselves, no science has the ability to say why things work or for what purpose it's here. We as Christians have never and do not reject science. We simply put it in its proper field of study, but we also look through it to bring us to the creator himself. There's a brilliant quote of a theologian that said this, every scientist, doctor, or scholar that doesn't follow the evidence to God himself will only at best only stay in preschool all his life until he recognizes the creator himself. Mature thinking finds the creator. Now, that brings us to the creator. If anybody needs a blanket, there are blankets in the back. One of the main points of creation is to point out and magnify the creator. Now just close your eyes with me and just imagine, just picture some of the things I say real quick. Church creation, including you and me and flavors and flowers and clouds, bugs, Cells, blood, water, stars, scent, whales, logic, math, hard, soft, cold, hot, galaxies, ants, emotions, sex, hands, 
dancing, light, darkness, food, gravity, food, height, depth, oceans, lands, authorities, roles, gifts, music, art, language, and all the more there is in all of creation were all spoken into existence, first and foremost, to reveal the majesty of the creator himself. Not only is there life, but this life has a beginning. And that beginning, the very first verse of the Bible says, in the beginning was God. God was in the beginning. Speaking is the most important aspect of any relationship. And as all things begin, we have a God who speaks. Church, unless God revealed himself to us, do you know we would never know him? But he has chosen not only to speak, to, but to reveal himself at the beginning and also throughout all creation. Romans chapter 1, 19 through 20 says, What can be known about God is plain to them or to us because God has shown it to us. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have clearly been perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been created. Therefore, we are without excuse. The Bible from the beginning to the end shows not only a powerful, sovereign God, but it also shows a relational God. So who is this creator? What is he like? The Bible says throughout the scriptures that God is one, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The scripture speaks that God, three in one, created the universe. The scripture explains this in more detail, but even here at the beginning, we see God the Father having an eternal plan over all creation. And then we see his spirit brooding over the nothingness in preparation for what? God to speak. And when he speaks, this force of life causes all things to burst into existence. God created all this from nothing. It was formlessness, meaning absolute chaos and orderless nothing. It was empty, meaning the worst sensation we feel in our souls when we are frightened and alone and therefore feel empty. The entire universe was empty. It was absolute darkness, meaning no presence of anything, but rather the presence of nothing, the absence of light. And then the Spirit of God hovered over the formless, empty darkness of the deep. And it says, then God breaks through the nothingness with the power of his voice. And he says, let there be light. And light replaces darkness. Church, we have God the Father with the universal plan of creation, the spirit preparing all things, and then the son being brought forth as the one to cause all creation to burst into everything. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the word, God spoke, 
Jesus. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning, the Word was with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1.16, For by Him, Jesus, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Jesus, the Spirit of God, and God the Father were at the very beginning. God throughout history has always worked as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when they work, it is overwhelmingly magnificent. Now let me just try to give a very simple example of how significant and powerful it is when God the Creator is at work. Years ago, mankind put into space a probe called the Voyager 1. It is estimated right now still to be traveling at a speed of around 60,000 kilometers per hour. Now, to put this into perspective, passenger jets fly around 1,000 kilometers an hour. It's flying at 60,000 kilometers an hour. In other words, the speed of the space probe is about 64 times faster than a jet airplane. Now, at space probe speed, you could travel from the far east to the very far, from one side of Turkey to the other, in one minute, 30 seconds. How lovely would that be? At 60,000 kilometers an hour, it would only take six hours to reach the moon, which is about 400,000 kilometers away from the Earth. And it would take only 52 days to reach the planet Mars. However, if you wanted to visit Saturn, it would take you, it is so distant and so far, it would take you at that speed about 40 years to reach it. And then to go from one end of our Milky Way galaxy to the other, it is estimated that it would take about 26 billion years to travel from one side to the other. And let us not forget our galaxy is one of around, estimated around 200 billion galaxies in our universe. And at this point, no scientists or, or, or anybody looking off into space has ever found an end. And the Bible says, as the Spirit of God was brooding over the darkness, God said, let there be light. And it all burst into existence. Then if this is not enough to display the wonders of his greatness, it says that God makes the climax of his creation by making a creature designed to display his glory perfectly. And it says he creates, listen to this, he creates mankind in his own image. If we look at the structure of creation, we see that each day God creates and then he says, it is good. 
meaning this goodness reflects rightly the glory of God. And this pattern continues. He creates, it is good. He creates, it is good. Until we see him create Adam on the sixth day, and then it is as though there is an eternal echo throughout all of history, then he says, it is not good for man to be alone. There was something in the aloneness of Adam that did not rightly reflect the glory of God, the community of God himself. And therefore, from man, God created in a plural form. It says, let us, listen to that, let us create man in our image. And therefore, God creates from man, woman. And then we hear this incredible pronouncement, which we'll read more of next week. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God who created him, male and female, he created them. Even in the creation of mankind, we see God's united plurality. For singular mankind to image God rightly, it needed a plurality of persons, male, female, And for it to continue to exist, the children that would proceed from them both. Mankind is set apart. Let us not forget this. When we look around at our world, man is so bad that we miss the significance and amazing beauty that God has put in all of mankind. Mankind is set apart from and above all other created things. Why? Because we are awesome apart from God. No, because we were created to image God. The word image is supposed to give us the picture of a a mirror. And the goal was that in the way that we serve and rule and reign over all of creation, it would be done just as though God himself were on earth in a body. We are supposed to be mirrors that when people look, they go, wow, God is great. Church, we believe humans have unique value, not because we were born in a rich family or a certain color or came from a certain culture, but because God Almighty has given us value by making us in his own image. We believe that all people, male and female, boys and girls, believers and non-believers, red, yellow, brown, black or white, have value because of the one who formed them out of the dust of the ground. It is for this reason Christians have historically been against abortion, because it destroys the value of God. Humans make such amazing music, art, literature, buildings, beauty, and creativity because we have been blessed above all creatures by God himself. We were made to display the glory of God. This brings us to our last point, creation's purpose. Why is this world overwhelmingly beautiful? Why is there such depth in relationships? Why do people value life? Because we and everything else that was made have been designed to glorify God. One of the first things Christian children are taught to memorize from a catechism is the answer to the question, why did God create all things? And they learn even from small children, they say, 
for His glory. And do you know why it all still continues on? Think about this, church. Why is the grass still green today? Why is gravity and photosynthesis still working? And why, right now, is your heart still breathing, beating, and your lungs still breathing? In short, because God is not done fulfilling His eternal purposes. The reason all things exist is for his glory. The world is not first about us. It is first a display of God. And today he is still at work. And you being in this seat today is part of his purposeful creation. The only other time that we see the language of creation throughout all the Bible used is when people put their faith in Jesus Christ causing new life and light to be brought from the darkness and chaos of our sin. The reason this world and even ourselves don't rightly reflect the glory of God is because mankind, rather than submitting to God, chose to sin against God. And this caused darkness to fill the earth. And the consequences of death was promised. But as we see in this empty, formless, chaotic, broken image of God found still somewhere in mankind, it says in the scripture that the spirit of God is still hovering over his church. We have the father who has ordained salvation. We have the spirit of God hovering and then God brings forth his own son, not only to speak, but to take on flesh himself. And to live among us as the perfect, rightly, mere, reflecting image of God himself. The consequences of of death that we deserve was taken upon Jesus himself. And then he died in our place so that God could look down on all those who believe in the Son. And speak over the darkness of their lives. Let there be light. It shows that the darkness, chaos, and emptiness inside of us all, because of sin, can only be changed by the voice of God, by the voice of the God, our creator. If we lose the book of Genesis and take it away from our New Testament, we lose the right understanding and the magnificence of our salvation. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. We're bringing it to a close. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Church, your life and all creation is not an accident. You and I were made. And today we are sustained. And I pray saved for the glory of God. All things begin with God creating at the beginning of the Bible. And if we look at the book of Revelation, it closes with God recreating all things Not only the brokenness inside of us, but also making all things right 
so that creation in the end will once again one day cry out with all the small children, we were made for the glory of God. Would you bow your heads with me as we close with prayer? Oh God, Father, we forget so often the magnificence of you being among us. Lord God, we couldn't chew food today unless you sustained our strength. God, we couldn't have opened our eyes. We have never sat there with a pump and moved our lungs. You sustain us. You've made our hearts beat today. You've made our minds think today. You've given us breath today. And Lord God, so so seldom do we worship you for it. So Lord God, today we just repent as your church. God, we just pray that you would receive glory and honor and praise for the magnificence of your creation. And Lord God, would we realize even more astounding the significance of you, the creator above all the heavens of the earth and all the billions of galaxies that you chose the sake of your glory and your great love to take on flesh, to live among us and die in our place. Oh Lord God, billions of years from today, we will still be astounded by that reality. Lord God, I pray that we would not be blind but that we would see God again. We would see you in our days. We would hear you. Lord God, I pray that all those who are in this room, that they would come to know you for who you really are. We worship you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.